0: A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously
1: without taking ourselves so seriously.
0: You're listening to Table Talk Radio.
2: Have you completely dedicated every part of yourself to it? And I said, well... What's the answer? And she says, that's the trouble. The answer is always no. I said, well, let's ask the question a different way. Has Jesus given everything for you? Has he dedicated his whole life to you? Has he invited you into his heart? And the answer to that is a glorious and gracious and conscious, freeing, comforting yes. Uh, only then we, we hear the gospel
1: that Jesus Christ came to earth, uh, was born of a Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life. Uh, in our place, and died the death that we deserved, took on the full wrath of God. All that was done for us so that we could be called righteous and holy in the eyes of God. <laughs> That's not going to help with the who wants to date a and hotline right there. <laughs> Welcome to this edition of Table Talk Radio, everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show. I'm your host, Evan Gigline, here with uh, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Hello, Evan.
2: Uh, well, what do we have in store for today's Table Talk Radio? Well, the first thing, we're, uh, we we want to talk about Haiti a little bit, I think. Um, we want to do our buzzwords first and talk about Haiti and, uh, and the theological question that comes up out of that. And then we're going to try something new, a new game. Oh, everyone has been waiting. When are you going to come up with a new game? It's been two weeks since you came up with a dumb new game. <laughs> Uh, so we have a new game. This is the uh, the game. How? T- what? What is this thing? How to determine if you're being emotionally manipulated by a youth speaker? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's a checklist that you've
1: authored, uh, <laughs> and this is going to be the next uh, sweeping thing from Table Talk Radio. <laughs> oh yeah. Pe- people in Korea are going to be emailing us in. We love your. <laughs> Your checklist your, on how to know you're being manipulated by a, a youth speaker.
2: We need. A, maybe we could call it the youth speaker cruncher
1: or something like this. <laughs> and so you then can, uh, you can walk up to your youth uh,
2: speaker after the event and say, "I just crunched you during that. and You only got three checks or five <laughs> that's checks. That's right. Although the the fewer checks, the better. And then the and then if we have time at the end of this uh, nonsense, we'll play a little bit of Google it. Google it. Okay, that sounds good. All right. Well, uh,
1: this uh, time for our, bu- our buzzwords and my. Theological buzzword for you has come to us by request. Um, and my buzzword is dispensationalism. And uh, usually this comes up in, in talking about end times, but uh, the discussion of dispensations is that the theology that believes that God interacts with man through different dispensations throughout time. And I just pulled up a, sh- uh, a webpage to kind of see what some of these are. Uh, for example, the first dispensation is is when man is innocent and then... Uh, man under consequences, the second one. And so you have all these different dispensations, man under the law and then man under the promise. Um, and so uh, man under grace, these are all different dispensations. Now, Pastor, I'm going to let you describe then how that comes in to play with end-time theology.
2: Well, we we should maybe put a link. I've, I uh, When I was still there at the seminary, I had time to write longer papers, and I wrote this paper called Dispensationalism, What and Why Not?, uh, and, and it kind of lays out the, the tenets of dispensationalism for people that are unfamiliar with it, and then it takes a biblical critique at all of them. Uh, the way this the dispensationalism shakes into the end times theology is, if you have talk of a pre-tribulation rapture of the church, of a secret rapture, of a se- seven-year tribulation where God is dealing with the Jews, uh, the Jewish people, rather than the Christians, any of this sort of uh, discussion comes from a dispensational theology. So um uh so the left behind series for example are solidly dispensational uh and and most of the so-called prophecy teachers or prophecy buffs are dispensationalists um it's just there, there's no there is no uh, support for this theology anywhere in the scriptures that's that's the trouble i mean it's it's the scriptures are completely contrary to all of this stuff uh but still dispensationalism is um it's kind of it's kind of the default position in the in America uh this revivalistic uh eschatology so so there you go okay there it is and what you have a buzzword for me <clears throat> sure this was going to have to do with our first discussion here uh, the buzzword i have for you is theodicy uh this comes from a uh, this is from greek isn't it yes it's uh the uh judgment of god but it's the question of 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 how is God's justice and goodness manifest when bad things are happening? So so more commonly the question of theodicy is something like, uh, how can bad things happen to good people? You know what I'm talking about? Right. Yeah. Um, or just when someone in the midst of suffering can say, how can this happen? And uh, and when we see the tragedies unfold like we did this last week. Now we record you know a week uh, before the show airs. So all of you listening now, we're recording last week and and uh and we have news of this uh this um earthquake in Haiti and and just people being crushed and, and and buried alive and and all of this terrible tragedy there and the theology question then is how can god uh allow something like this permit something like cause something like this or or what where's god in all this uh, disaster and catastrophe uh, so that's the question of theodicy Oh, yeah,
1: that's right. Now uh, you have written an, an article on this. Uh, uh, Where is God in
2: catastrophe? And that's available on our website. Uh, newly edited, is that right? Uh, yeah, well, just newly formatted. But it's the, <laughs> this is the um, you know this is what the church does. We have to think about these questions and provide answers uh, for people. That, you know, we we want to reach out and help in any way that we can. Uh, but we also want to uh, one of the ways that we help is that the devil what the devil would do is tempt people who are away from the situation who are who are observing, which would be most of us in the United States. we're just observants uh, observers of this tragedy. The devil would cause us to look at that and say, "Oh, there is no God or God is angry or God hates us or something like this. This is the devil's temptation and so we want to face this temptation with the teaching of the scriptures, and so we can look to the scriptures and find out where God is in disaster and catastrophe. Okay, so answer that question. Well, uh, maybe we could do it twofold. And, and I do encourage people to, uh, to take a look at this article if they have a minute, uh, Where's God in Disaster and Catastrophe? Uh, because it shakes us out a little more thoroughly with, uh, with the teaching of the Scriptures. That's, by the way, but, on our
1: website, uh, tabletalkradio.org, under the Articles tab.
2: Very good. Uh, b- but what, um, what we can say is that God is there in the midst of disaster and catastrophe, but he's hidden there. He hasn't put himself there to be found. He uh he is in every he it's not like there's something that's out of his control or out of his knowledge or uh, something like this. So in these grand disasters God's there. In the small disasters in our families and in our own lives God is there. He's in the midst of them, but he's not placed himself there for our comfort or to be f- found there. And and so this is the temptation. Uh I see this a lot when someone's say laying on the hospital bed and they've been the doctors just come and told them that the treatment didn't work, and that the cancers come back, and that they don't have that that much time to live and uh and they'll ask the question, does God hate me you see if we if we were to judge how God feels about us by looking at the things in our lives by trying to by 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 looking at if things are good or bad if we're healthy or if we're sick if we're if we're living or if we're dying, if we're if we're full or if we're hungry, if we're healthier or if we're sick, if we're rich or if we're poor, if we were to use these things to determine if God loves us, then we would, uh, we would often be off on despair, and we'd have to, we'd have to figure that God doesn't love us. I mean, God is certainly in our poverty or in our riches, in our sickness and in our health, but he has put himself in a particular place to show us his love, and that place is Jesus on the cross. So so what the Christian church wants to do in the midst of tragedy, no matter what kind of tragedy it is, and the Christian person wants to do, is to fix their eyes on Jesus on the cross. It's Because when we see Jesus dying on the cross, then we can know without a doubt, without without any question, that God does love me. And then we can begin to see his love, even in the midst of disaster uh, and catastrophe.
1: So what you had just said doesn't really try to answer the theodicy question. It's striving to, uh, where, to where to place our faith, or, or, or better put, uh, how to correctly see God in, in the midst of these disasters.
2: That, that's exactly right. So so um, I think one person, I think Professor Pless, our Professor Pless said this. He said, in the midst of disaster and catastrophe, the Christian church offers promises, not answers. So that we're, it's not really explaining uh, how this works. We don't know that. We don't know why God does these things. He, doesn't, he hasn't told us. Uh, but, we, but we can know in the midst of them, this is the most important thing, we can know in the midst of them that God does love us. Not because everything goes well in this life, but because everything went poorly for Jesus on the cross. And, and that was going poorly for our sake. His suffering, His cross, His being forsaken by God, all of this is for us uh, and for our forgiveness. Hmm. Okay. Uh, was there a second fold part? Well, there there is something else too. Is that then? So that, that's faith, and then there's the love section too. So so disaster uh, tests our faith and it tests our love. So that, um, so that in the midst of catastrophe, we have opportunity now to love our neighbor, and that's especially true with Haiti now. And if anyone there li- is listening and is wondering where can what can we do to help, I, the the best resource we have for this is uh, the LCMS World Relief and Human Care. This organization by uh, headed by Matt Harrison, it's a it's the mercy arm of our Synod. Matt was on the show a couple of weeks or months ago talking about uh, presidents of the Missouri Senate. That was a good time. Uh, but uh, they're very active in this sort of thing. And if you go to the LCMS.org website, I'm sure there's uh, links and uh, places where you can go to donate to World Relief and Human Care. Uh, they what they do is they they send help and resources to local congregations so that they can care for their neighbors and the people around them. So they are e- equipping, if you will, the local pastors and local churches to care for the people both in their in their human need and in their in their need for Christ as well. Yeah. Well, it's about uh, forty five seconds
1: before we go before, before we go to this break. Um, <clears throat> I mentioned a little bit in my sermon on Sunday about uh, Haiti and uh, just pointed out. to how many of the, the psalmists in writing their psalms uh, just literally lay their complaints before God, saying, you know, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever, for example? And uh, so even even in our Christian lives, this is sometimes the greatest expression of faith because we're laying our complaints before the one who actually do something about them. And uh, th- to just pray those prayers of complaint, if you will, uh, is really an expression of faith and maybe something to keep in mind in catastrophe. Well, we're about out of time for this first segment. When we get back, we're going to be playing this brand-new checklist, how to tell if you're being emotionally manipulated by a youth speaker. We're right back on Table Talk Radio. Every little
0: earthquake, Every little, heartbreak going on. Every little outside, catch it in my hand, I not say a word. You're listening to Table Talk Radio.
1: Hey, it's Evan Gigline. You know, on Table Talk Radio, we have this game called CACA, you know, the casual apologetics conversation game. It basically operates on the premise that you can proclaim the gospel to your neighbor by knowing just two things, the Ten Commandments and the Creed. But what do you do when someone has certain objections to the gospel? Is the Christian faith founded on any evidence whatsoever? I really think you should go to this lay theological conference, Christian Apologetics. You can give an answer. The speaker, Dr. Stephen Hine, Director of Concordia Institute for Christian Studies and Associate Pastor of Shepherd of the Springs Lutheran Church in Colorado Springs. This lay theological conference takes place Saturday, February the 6th from 9 to 4 at Peace with Christ Lutheran Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. The registration is free and lunch is provided. So you ought to go to this Christian Apologetics Conference February the 6th from 9 to 4 at Peace with Christ Lutheran Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. For more information, visit our website at tabletalkradio.org.
2: Hello, this is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, pastor of Hope Lutheran Church and co-host of Tabletalk Radio. I have had a marvelous opportunity fall into my lap for this summer, and I hope you rejoice to have it fall in yours as well. A good friend and fellow pastor of mine uh, in the area has was planning for the last couple of years to host a tour of the Steps of Martin Luther and the Passion Play in Oberammergau in Germany in the middle of this summer. Uh, But he's in the National Guard and is going to be deployed, and so he's not able to go. He asked me to take his place. So I'll be leading a trip in the steps of Luther and to see the Passion Play from June 24th to July 4th in this summer, 2010. Uh, There are more openings to go, and really we'd like to get a few more people uh, involved. And so if you're at all interested, if you would uh, uh, email me at... Pastor at hope-aurora.org, and I'll get you the information. We'd love to have you come on the trip as well. Again, that's this summer Steps of Martin Luther a tour hosted by me, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller.
1: Wow! Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. You know some of our games, you know, sweep America. Uh, this is
2: probably not one of them. <laughs> you never, you never know. We need it just to just have a cr- the name Cruncher in every one of our games. <laughs> yeah,
1: the Internet theology Cruncher, uh, otherwise known as Google it, coming up in a little bit. Um, and this is the. <laughs> uh, this is the. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> how to tell if you're being emotionally manipulated by a youth speaker. It's a checklist. Crusher. And let's get let's go through this, Pastor. Uh, you put this together right. and uh, well, it just kind of evaluates some of these common things that happen that youth speakers do in their little speaks.
2: Um, it was a collaborative effort by myself and a handful of other pastors because there was a big youth something or other coming up and. And uh, and we were talking about this um, this idea that really the only way to communicate with youth is through emotional manipulation, and so this kind of came out of it. And uh, so we came up. Is there ten things on this? There's yes, 10, ten little things on this. Ten, th- and and then you you take this checklist to the to the youth's presentation, and then you have a scale total checks, and then if it, and then there's a scale at the end here. So I guess we can go through these one at a time, and then we actually have you have some youth speaker audio that we're going <laughs> to run through the checklist. Is that true? That is true. Oh, exciting! Yes.
1: Okay. Well, uh, let's go. Let's go. Uh, read these every other one. I'll start. Uh, the number. Uh, right. The first one is they begin in a static frenzy and ending in an intimate whisper. Uh,
2: now, what's go- what's going on here? This is how. This is kind of how. <laughs> this is kind of how the pra- the set of praise songs go too. That's right. And it follows the same pattern. You start upbeat, wah, and then you end. Okay. Now listen to me <laughs> <laughs> you got you, you're very intimate because you're trying to b- draw someone in emotionally like this so you're 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 you this sort of thing so that's the that's the pattern ecstatic frenzy to intimate whisper okay what's, what's the next one? one this second one is they quote incessantly from pop culture movies and television shows which most teens have the good sense to ignore. So, uh, so the 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 illustrations, as they say in South Africa, come from uh, from television and from movies. Okay, the third Th- this one. Is oh. a, no, a this is now a thing that's not just youth ministers too. The preachers are preaching whole sermon series on movies that are coming out. You know. Hmm. I, I I mean I was thinking about doing that just so I'd have a good excuse to go see this movie Avatar because Carrie really doesn't want to go see it, and I and I heard it's crazy to see so. I said, honey, how am I going to preach a, a five week sermon series on Avatar if I don't go see the movie? But she didn't buy it. Okay. That's probably good.
1: Uh, <laughs> number three, there's background music for the prayers. That's true. <laughs> there's often, you can't just pray. There's got to be music going when you pray.
2: The praise band sneaks on and starts a slow guitar riff or some sort of something on the piano. <laughs> Emotional manipulation. Here's number four. A subtle encouragement of teenage rebellion by poking at quote the establishment. So there's this there's this really has kind of nutty sense in youth ministry in bad youth ministry uh, where rebellion is encouraged. It's almost like hey you got to rebel against your parents to be to be in with God. And it's a and it's the opposite of the fourth commandment. So that you know, gets
1: in there. Going back to there's background music for the prayers. They do that at Hope Lutheran Church in rural Colorado, but it's with an organ, and so it's like. <laughs> And the you know, pastor's praying. And,
2: <laughs> and then I'm praying like this. Yeah, turn that thing down.
1: <laughs> okay. The, oh, man. The next one after uh, poking at the establishment is the speaker talks about the death of a loved one. Now, this is where we really get to the emotional side of things. You know, So you gonna draw you in with some sort of a, a touching story, especially about the death of a loved one.
2: Uh, I remember I was at a youth conference a couple years ago, and I was I was there. I was one of the spe I had a, was doing a sectional myself, and but I was going to all of these uh, the keynote speakers, and and one, two, three, four, four in a row were t- each one was talking about the death of someone they loved, and so when it came time for my sectional, I said, uh, I just realized that I don't have a story about someone that I love dying <laughs> for you guys. I'm really sorry. <laughs> They probably love you when you <laughs> say things like that. They, I didn't get invited back. Uh. <laughs> uh, there I was playing football on the side of the hill in my clerical collar, and it was a really muddy day. And I my pants were covered in mud. That was really that was something. Good idea. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. The, the next one. Uh, at least one. Uh, at least. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, you got it. Sorry. Okay, at least one story or illustration, as they say in South Africa, <laughs> has inappropriate sexuality or nudity. Okay. Uh, th- is this typical? That's to keep the kids' attention. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think so. You'll hear it a lot. you got to keep the kids' attention. So it, it might be a funny story. Normally these are funny stories about someone's pants being pulled down or something like this. Uh, but um, but it's But it gets in there. Uh, it's kind of encouraging this rebellion stuff. So okay, and the
1: next one: merchandise sales are a part of the presentation. I always think about Jesus and the money changers
2: when I when I think about that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's right. Hey, here's my T-shirt. Don't forget my CDs, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, uh, Table
1: Talk Radio <laughs> merchandise shop available at tabletalkradio.org. dot uh, org. Where you can get the T-shirt of uh, "I Don't Want to Be a Gnostic." <laughs>
2: Yes. Or, uh, what, what, okay. Hey, we should get this T-shirt. I was think this is serious, though. We should do a T-shirt that says, uh, Jesus made a decision for me. Oh, yeah, based on your favorite you story. My favorite story that I tell over and over and over <laughs> again. <laughs> Jesus made a decision for me. Don't you think that'd be nice? Did you, get,
1: did you get my text message about your soundbite on issues? Yeah, what did you past, say? You Pastor would have voted Wolf for Miller. it except you've heard it 30 times? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's because it's in our bump into the show every time. We should maybe change that bump around. Yeah, we should. Okay, the next... uh, Here's number seven is, or eight, or no, no, eight. Here's number eight. The speaker cries or gets awfully emotional. Uh, that's another indication that you're being emotionally manipulated. Especially when you know that the speaker tells the same story over and over again in every kind of venue that he goes to. It's same story, same emotional moments and, and the same tears. Then that's really
1: quite <laughs> something. So you, you know those tears are sincere and not fabricated whatsoever. Right. Um, right. They have you repeat after them. Uh, so everyone repeat after me. I love table talk radio.
2: <laughs> oh and then the last one is 5 minutes after the talk is over you've forgotten the content remembering only that you were quote moved. <laughs> I'll tell you I went to I was a a member of this little
1: church body association we went to this this uh youth conference and and they had this big uh, tear fest during the 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 speaker thing about you know talking about how you know we should be more respectful to our parents, and you know who, what teenager you know doesn't isn't convicted by being disrespectful to their parents, and so there's a big cry fest. I remember th- though, sitting at breakfast the next day, one of the youth pastors, reception goes, "Wow, wasn't the Holy Spirit uh, moving last night?" And I just had a kind of a dumb look on my face when when he said that. Uh, but anyway, okay, so that is that is the the checklist, and you can get this on our website at TabletalkerRadio.org under the articles tab. And uh, you can print this off. It actually comes with, like, three lists on one sheet. So print this off, make some copies, and hand it out at your next uh, youth gathering or conference, and you can uh, be sure that you're not being emotionally manipulated by a youth speaker.
2: What about this? I was thinking of uh, of taking this checklist and handing it to the particular youth speaker right before he mounts the stage that to would give be, his presentation. That, that would be a good idea. <laughs> okay so he'd we're looking we're, at it like oh man an outline of my presentation here <laughs> I'm in trouble how many kids have this he'd say <laughs> um,
1: okay so we're gonna we're gonna listen to a youth speaker here and, uh, and put this to the test now as we listen to this Pastor, I'm gonna leave your mic on so you have to be quiet over there but you can you can cut in and, and if you want to say something about it then then you can do this uh, but this is Austin right. Cardi, is
2: that right is that how you pronounce it? I, don't, I can't remember his last name. This anyway. guy was on Survivor, though, wasn't
3: he?
1: That's right. Yeah, he was on Survivor. So now he's going around giving talks everywhere, and this is Austin Carty.
3: Thank you. Wow. What a pleasure to be here. I, I, I feel uh, like I'm not worthy of falling in suit behind so many noted uh, doctors and scientists and a violin prodigy and a major science fair winner all i did was starve on an island but i'm happy to be here i really appreciate it you know guys i remember that by the
2: way it would would uh would qualify as a quote from a pop culture television show oh so check number check what number, what number is that one <laughs> number two it, it's kind of a uh, uh it's kind of tough for this guy's kind of um he's gonna have a tough time because um because he is a pop culture star <laughs> So he's already, he's already <laughs> So any sort of story about himself is gonna be instantly <laughs> So I don't know if it's quite fair, but so that, that's, that's only one check, you know. This that's is, the problem uh, of getting a celebrity to speak at your youth gathering. Right. That's right. See, I mean uh, uh like you, Evan, you know. <laughs> You're right. Hit, yeah. hit radio show. <laughs> table talk radio, part of pop culture. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That, it's tough for you to go out, I know. You have to
1: have the Table Talk Radio bodyguard? It's the paparazzi that really gets to me.
3: <laughs>
2: oh, Okay,
1: continue. Okay.
3: Being five years old. I remember being five years old and, and sitting in this tiny little woven wicker chair and staring up at my grandfather, whose name was Dr. Cyrus Leighton Gray. And I remember how every afternoon my mom would take me over to my grandfather's house.
1: Uh-oh, we're getting the grandfather into the story. This is looking... Pretty promising for some more checks. We need to take a break on Table Talk Radio and continue listening to this uh, speech in light of how to tell if you're being emotionally manipulated by a speaker or otherwise known as you speaker cruncher. <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to Table Talk Radio. It'll be one the only Lutheran theological games. We'll be right back. <laughs>
0: You really are listening to Table Talk Radio. Have you ever wanted to walk the steps of Martin Luther while studying what he wrote
2: there, having daily devotions in the scriptures and singing Luther hymns, a trip ending with a visit to the Passion Play in Oberammergau? Well, that's exactly what I'm doing this summer. All of a sudden, I have the opportunity to go to Germany, and I would love for you to come with. If you have uh, the desire to go and visit the steps of Luther, see the Passion Play, please email me at pastor at hope-aurora.org for more information. Thank you.
0: I don't wanna grow up fine toy they got a million toys and toy dress that I can play with I don't wanna go up I'm a toy just kid we got the best for so much as you really flip it from
1: bike to Welcome back to, to Table Talk Radio. We're talking about youth ministry on uh, Table Talk Radio and uh how to discern whether the youth speaker you're listening to is trying to emotionally manipulate you. Uh this is the uh checklist uh provided uh, to you by Table Talk Radio, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Free a- of
2: charge, free of charge. That's
1: right, and it's avail- available on our website, TabletalkRadio.org. dot uh, org. By the way, we should say with that bump in, uh, Toys R Us uh, has nothing to do with Table Talk Radio. They need their support uh, or condone what is said on uh, Table Talk Radio. So um, people can still go shop at
2: yeah. <laughs> Toys R Us. We should hire. We should uh, ask people if they want to not advertise with us to keep their <laughs> revenue. Yeah, that's <laughs> Pay us or we'll,
1: or we'll put your name on our show. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, let's continue. This is, uh, in case you're just joining us, this is Austin Carty, uh, a former contestant on the hit TV show Survivor. I think what what started the the reality TV uh, phenomenon. But uh, here he has, he, after being a contestant of this, uh, he now has an opportunity to go around speaking. I think he wrote a couple books. So we'll continue with this. Uh, and checking off the list of uh, whether your you speaker is being emotionally manipulative. Here we go.
2: So far, we just started, and we have one checked. Uh, this is he quotes incessantly from pop culture movies. That's kind of a but. There's uh, nine still remain unchecked. So here he continues with this story of his grandfather. Right. So yeah, here it is.
3: Where he and I would have what he liked to call man to man chats. Now, what these man to man chats consisted of was my sitting in this little wicker chair, drinking from a Donald Duck sippy cup of Coke. Discussing all the really pressing issues in society, like soccer games, t-ball games, Disney movies, you know, really important stuff. But I remember one afternoon, my grandfather got really serious with me. Something he'd never, to my memory, done before. I remember he looked me in the face and he said, Austin, will you make me a promise? And I nodded. He said, will you promise me that when you grow up, that you'll never sell yourself short? That no matter what, you'll always do what you want to do. That's a pretty heavy question to ask a five-year-old, right? You know, I nodded my head and I, I said, Yes, grandfather. He smiled for a second, but then he got really pensive, you know, as if in deep thought. And then he said, Will you make me one more promise? And again I nodded. He said, Will you promise me that when you grow up, that you will believe in someone or something bigger than yourself? Because I was five years old, I had no clue what he was talking about. I said, You mean like a six-year-old? And he you know, he just smiled, then he patted my head he said, one day, son, one day you'll understand what I'm talking about. So a couple years later, as I sat in the first pew, First Methodist Church in High Point, North Carolina, crying my little eyes out, wondering what I was ever going to do, living a life without my best buddy, my grandfather. In.
1: Okay, we, need, uh, we have a couple here. <laughs> uh, okay, you're just talking about the grandfather dying. So um, what, what number is that one? That is number five. Yep. The speaker talks about the death of a loved one. Now, what if in the story he talks about how he cried previously? I mean, the speaker didn't cry. but
2: I, That's true. I don't know. Uh, he So he's not actually crying, although he might. Uh, he choked up, I think, a little bit. I heard a little choke there. But he choked up <laughs> a little bit, but... But if he talks about how he's crying, I think that's like a half check. So you get a half of number eight, the speaker cries. How about that? So I'm going to color in my box halfway. Okay. (laughs) We'll
1: let him continue.
3: I remember saying those words over and over again in my head almost like a mantra. I remember saying I will never sell myself short. I'm going to do what I want to do, and I will believe in someone, something bigger than myself. You know, I also remember being 18 years old. I remember the day that my mother came home from the doctor having been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. It was a really trying period. I remember she came in the door, tears just soaking her eyes, walking up to her bed, burying herself in in her covers, and we as a family sitting around praying for her, trying to find words of comfort and solace, and realizing there was hardly anything we could say. But most importantly... I remember her saying over and over again, I wish my daddy was here. And I remember wondering what it was my mom thought that her dad, my grandfather, would be able to do even were he alive at that moment. I
1: think I'm gonna cry. Now how
3: many people in here actually watch Survivor? Do, do we have any Survivor watchers here? So Alright, great. It's a good show, right?
1: Three people clap. Uh, how
3: many people saw my season, Survivor Panama Exile Island? Anybody? All right, those of you who did, thank you. I know you were cheering for me. I can see it in your face. That's awesome. I appreciate it. (laughs) Well, to catch you guys up to speed on my season of Survivor, we were broken up into four groups of four. We had four young men, four young women, four older men, four younger women. Now, I am convinced that when looking to cast the young men's tribe, the show's producers scoured the entire United States of America trying to find the four most inept, unprepared, moronic guys they could find. Rest assured, they found us, guys. They found us. We got Flint on that first day. Three days later, we had yet to get fire. Now, we had the Flint. We had yet to get the fire. I think looking back, we four morons were under the impression that if you had the Flint, it was kind of like having a garage door opener. You just point at the fire and whoosh, there it goes. Well, I'm here to tell you guys, it isn't that easy. Meanwhile, amidst all this attempted fire building, we're trying to build a shelter. So we've got our machete out, and we're chopping down palm fronds, and we're chopping down bamboo rods, and we're building them up at this teepee angle. Looking back on what we built, I think it's safe to say we erected the worst structure in architectural history. I mean, this thing was truly pathetic. It would not have withstood a spitting competition, let alone a rainstorm. Now, all of this attempted fire building, all of this attempted shelter building, was being done under a Panamanian summer sun that I kid you not, it felt like it was taking a nap on our shoulders. If it was 98 degrees out there, it had to have been 170. Well, in the afternoon of that third day, I remember working on the shelter, looking down, and my legs were involuntarily quaking beneath me. And I realized with a very stark clarity that I was close to dehydration. And in that moment, I remember thinking...
1: Can I can I point something out here? Uh, have you yeah. noticed that he he moved from a, a you know humor and and everyone having a good time to this now slowing slowing down movement of talk? Oh, yeah. it's getting yeah. tough yeah. now. Yeah. Oh, this is a really hard time. So I'm going to go ahead and check that one. Um,
2: for uh, for ecstatic frenzy to intimate whisper, right? Yes. So okay, do you, you agree with I that? I think assessment? that fits the pattern. Yeah, yeah. I think that's right. Okay. Now, it's it's a bit it's a bit more subtle with this guy than than with others, but I think you are uh, right on identifying it. Now, uh, we're we're here just analyzing, you know, this
1: this with this checklist about emotional manipulation, but we haven't even spoken to the fact that theologically this guy hasn't said anything. <laughs> I mean, if we were playing Biggest Loser, he would have lost everything so far. So, um, but that's there you go. That's another yep. point. So yep. here we go
3: that it was a good idea to lean on the idea of someone, something bigger than me out there. And I remember just saying a prayer, saying, I believe that we will get this fire and we will get this water. So about an hour later, still been working, no progress on the fire. I'm overworking on the shelter when all of a sudden I hear this shriek of joy behind me. I'm talking just pure elation. Now, I had become so immune to the sound of machete on flint that I didn't realize that the other two were still even working on trying to get fire. But they had gotten this little baby flame. I mean, guys, you had to squint to see this thing. Well, the two of us run over to them. We get on our knees, and we're huffing and puffing on this thing because oxygen is a component of fire. And for two hours, we're huffing and puffing. And finally, we have a full-blown fire. We boiled a pot of water, and we drank our fill. And guys, as we sat there drinking that water out of a half of a coconut, We thought we had everything together. Our spirits could not have possibly have been broken. We thought we'd accomplished everything. There we are, drinking our water, sitting on this gorgeous white beach, watching a red sun slowly sink down into the ocean. Behind us is our shelter, which at that point in time, we think's awesome. I thought this thing was impenetrable. Well, then the heavens began to spit. About 15 minutes later, the rain's coming down pretty hard. Guys, 25 minutes later we're in the middle of what I can only describe as a monsoon. I mean, I really thought it was a recreation of the Noahic flood. I was waiting for God's audible voice to say, Austin, go grab the snakes and iguanas two by two, meet me down at the ocean ASAP. That's how hard it was coming down. And so what do you think happened to that awesome shelter at the first sign of hard rains and big winds? Yeah, that baby was gone. She was out of there. Just little bits of it were left. And guys, we're huddled up against one another, and we decide to do what Forrest Gump and Bubba did when they braved the Vietnamese monsoon. Do y'all remember that? Remember Bubba said to Forrest, he said, hey, Forrest, you lean your back against me, I lean my back against you. That's the way we won't get our head in the mud. Do y'all remember that?
1: Now, we already have that one checkmarked, but here's another <laughs> reference to... Uh... Pop culture and movies.
2: Yeah, alike. It, it, it's not a it's not an accident that it says quotes incessantly from yeah. pop culture movies. <laughs> <laughs> so we get, so we're in the midst of a Survivor uh, thing, and we get a forced Gump story. That's mm. really one upon another. <laughs> All right.
3: Yeah, that's what we tried to do. Good. Only the point of that drill, if I'm not mistaken, is for your weight to balance one another out. Correct. Yeah, looking at me, I'm about 5'9 on a good day. I'm coming in at a solid 160 pounds. The guy I'm leaning against, 6'7, 285 pounds. That does not create equipoise. So while he's laying back like he's in a lazy boy recliner, I'm over there like this. And guys, that went on for about 12 hours, and that rain just kept beating down, and it was cold, and we're sitting there just shivering. Miserable, fearing hypothermia. You got the show's producers coming over and snugged up in their in their Columbia rain gear and looking in and saying, "Okay, guys, this is what to look for if hypothermia is setting in." All right, we'll see you later. And they go scurrying off. And so, guys, in those twelve hours, I went from screaming to praying to cursing to praying to begging God to make it stop to thanking Him for putting me through that trial.
1: All right, well, here we are in the middle of talking about uh, Survivor, and <laughs> evaluating whether or not we're being emotionally manipulated by a youth speaker. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show, and we're going to be right back to finish this up and if we have time play some Google It. Don't go away, more Table Talk Radio after this.
0: You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Never imitated, never duplicated.
2: Frankfurt, Eisenach, Wittenberg, Leipzig, Nuremberg, Munich Uh, Munich and Oberammergau for the Passion Play. These are just a few of the places that we'll be visiting in the Steps of Martin Luther tour, uh, ending with the Passion Play this summer. I have a great opportunity to lead and host this tour all of a sudden, and uh, I'm very excited about it, and I would love for you, our listeners, to be able to come along as well. If you are interested in visiting Germany this summer, uh, June 24th to July 4th, uh, with me, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller of Hope Lutheran Church, uh, and my wife, Carrie, Uh, then would you please contact me at pastor at hope-aurora.org for more information. I'd love to talk to you about this opportunity, uh, let you know more details. Uh, So if you're interested in coming along on the Steps of Martin Luther tour uh, with me this summer, please again contact me at pastor at hope-aurora.org for more information. Or give me a call, 303-364-7416. Thank you.
0: My
1: Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. If we have time, uh, we're going to play some Google It. Uh, but first, we need to finish up our uh, youth speaker cruncher. Um, how to tell you're being emotionally manipulated by a youth speaker. And this is on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Now, we want to hear from you uh, about this article. Uh, what do you think about uh, our analysis here? Uh, what have we? What are we missing from our checklist? Uh, what do you think from the checklist is unfair? You can crunch the cruncher, as, as we like to say. Uh, but also, if there's a particular uh, you speaker of which you have uh, an example from, you know, it's an audio of this and you want us to crunch it, send it to questions at tabletalkradio.org. We'd happy to do that for you.
2: Now so far this um uh Adam is that right Aust- austin austin has uh has three and a half checks he ha- he began an ecstatic frenzy ends with an intimate whisper that's the- he's following that pattern. he quotes incessantly from pop culture movies uh he talks about the death of a loved one and <clears throat> the here number eight is the speaker cries now while he didn't cry, he spoke about crying. Uh, so we gave him a half check for that. Uh, yet to be checked. Background music for the prayers. Subtle encouragement of rebellion. One story or illustration about inappropriate nudity, etc. Merchandise sales. Repeat after me. And five minutes after it's over, you've forgotten the content, remembering only that you were moved. So uh, there's still some room for checks here. And we have about four more minutes left in this in this presentation. So All right, let's
3: it. have it. To screaming, back to praying. But guys... When that morning sun finally began to climb the horizon, and I walked out of what was left of that little pathetic shelter, tore off my shirt, and watched the warmth melt the goosebumps that had been bubbling on my arms, right then and there, I knew what I was supposed to learn from Survivor. I found out that Survivor is not a game show. That Survivor is not about trying to win a million dollars. Instead, it's a microcosm of life. It's about pushing each person's back against a wall. about pushing him to a place he's never been before, a place he never wanted to go, where he wants to quit, but like in life, knows that he can't. So he's forced to pray. He's forced to fight. Then he's forced to doubt. But then he comes to believe. He finds that if he believes in himself, can do a whole heck of a lot. But if he believes in someone or something bigger than himself, he can do absolutely anything. And right then, on that beach in Panama, for the first time in years, I remember that promise I made my grandfather as a little boy. And I finally understood why it was so pressing to him that I make that promise before he passed away. You see, my grandfather knew what I, as a child, did not yet know. And that's that life's hard. That it's often very unfair. That life bloodies your lip and kicks your butt and seldom explains why. Most importantly, he knew that in those ugly, dark, dour, unfair moments, a blessing it is to believe in someone or something bigger than yourself. To believe that you're not out there just shouldering the burden alone. So when I got back from Panama... And I first got isolated with my mother, I finally told her about that promise that my grandfather, her father, had had me make him as a little boy. And I told her that even though he can't be with us now, I know what he would do for her were he here. And that's look her in the face. Tell her to press on, boldly staring down her MS, knowing that she's not facing it alone that there's someone and that there's something bigger than her out there helping her shoulder the hurt, helping her shoulder the pain. And guys, that's what this organization is all about. I I can't claim to understand all the different things that Dr. Hauser talked about. Like I said, I'm not a violin playing prodigy who's been doing science projects since I was three. But guys, I know that this is about finding a cure. It's about believing, believing in the power of faith and the power of love. Guys, and it's faith that enables me to believe these brilliant people like Dr. Hauser, that they're going to help us find a cure. And I know that it's through the shared love of this community that we're going to find the strength to keep waiting for that day. Guys, it's faith and love, these two things, that enable us as human beings to believe. To believe that no matter what, no matter how bleak things look, that we will rise above it, that we will fight, and that ultimately, we will survive. So, if my grandfather, Dr. Gray, were still alive today, you better believe I would raise a sippy cup, toast of Coke to that guy, and I will tell him that I do believe in someone and something bigger than myself, and it makes all the difference. And thank you guys for letting me talk to y'all. God bless you.
2: Oh, there's the music. There you go. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Where was he talking? This wasn't a. This must have not been some sort of youth gathering. Yeah, it was I like a. Know. Sort of muscular scler- sclerosis, sort of society, something or other.
1: Yeah, maybe so. I think you know. I don't, I don't know that we're using it so much for the the youth thing, but just using it as, a, as an example of, of ways to. Uh, so so now you you know exactly what we're talking about when you know we're looking for the check mark. The speaker talks about death of a loved one or quotes incessantly from pop culture. I mean that's why we're doing this is to get examples of this. Uh, but if yes, you the listener yes. have uh, have some uh, somehow. Uh, something on the internet, a link to a, a youth speaker giving a, a speech, and we'd be happy to uh, to crunch it. So just send it on over to questions at tabletalkradio.org. All
2: Let's right. See, the scale here at the bottom says zero to two, the talk probably had some important contact. Three to five, a beginner at youth con, And that's where this Austin fell in. He had three and a half, so a beginner at youth conferences. He's got to work on his emotional manipulation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, six to eight, good thing you have the checklist. And nine to ten, you've just been on an emotional roller coaster, if you check <laughs> all of them. So... All right, there you go.
1: There it is. Okay, let's play Google it. This is where we all right uh, type in some theological terms in a in in into Google and and see the results and uh, and and see what we get. So, Pastor, did you do this? Did you have time to do this during the show? Uh,
2: uh, yes, I did. But why don't you go first? <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I I googled. Sure, of course, I did. I, just... <laughs> <laughs> um, I googled uh, heaven. And there was a few responses. Oh, there was a really funny one. Uh, I, I deleted it now. But the, the one response that, that I, I picked here was the ABC uh, news special, with Barbara Walters on Heaven, that went back in, in 2005. And there's a, uh, a lot of, uh, I don't know if it's a complete manuscript, but. Uh, uh, oh, here, here's the funny one. Uh, the, it was, uh, what is heaven? Heaven stands for a healthier environment through the abatement of vehicle emissions and noise. <laughs> so there that's what you heaven gotta is. Are
2: you kidding me? These right. greenies are absolutely nuts. <laughs> I mean this this new religion of uh of environmentalism is just I mean it's crazy. Wow. <laughs> well let me get to this actually we're
1: we're uh quickly coming up on our our ending theme here. So let me just read you I a couple things it. here. Um here it goes. uh but Ellen Johnson president of the American Atheist Science or No Science have, says heaven is a myth. Heaven doesn't exist. Hell doesn't exist. We weren't alive before we were born, and we're not going to exist after we die. I'm not happy about the fact that it's the end of life, but I can't accept that and make my life more fulfilling now because this is the only chance I have, she says. Um, and then it talks about these death trips to, to heaven, um, and so people, yeah. people will die and you know, see some sort of light, and they'll come back. It'll be resuscitated in the emergency room or something like that, and they'll say they saw a light, and this is uh, proof there is a heaven. Uh, so, uh, Pastor, we have um, about a minute and a half here. H- how do you want to respond to this? Uh, where is heaven, and how do we get there?
2: Well, th- uh, let's just, I mean, for the things that we cannot see, the only place we can turn to know that, to know what what is real, is to the Scriptures. Uh, and when we turn to the scriptures, what we see is that the Lord has created us to be eternal and he has redeemed us to be eternal in eternal life with him. So that heaven is uh, is life with God. It is life that, uh, that, that doesn't end standing before the face of Jesus. It's already here on earth, to, like Jesus says, all who believe in me shall not perish but have even now eternal life. And it continues beyond death. Uh, into life, into uh, into the uh, state uh, between uh, our death and the resurrection, and continues in the resurrection uh, in the new heaven and the new earth where righteousness dwells. So, so the scriptures tell us about these things that we don't know, and they tell us that because of the death of Jesus, uh, that we should have the sure hope of eternal life with him forever, and now, that is heaven.
1: Now you did this on the streets of Aurora. You were going around uh, talking to people about heaven. Did you bump into Ted Haggard when you were doing that? Uh, Ted, no, I Ted, Ted, <laughs> this is uh, pre-Ted Haggard's. Uh, uh, I don't know, fall of grace, as they say, but uh, he he was he was he said that um, if you believe that Jesus Christ is your personal savior, then you are assured a place in heaven. Uh, so we have again 50 seconds here. How do you respond to Ted Haggard there?
2: What did he say? Say that at first well, part again? Let, me, if you let me read it in
1: context. If you are born again in the belief that Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, then you are assured
2: a place in heaven. 40 seconds. Well, I guess that's all right. I mean, this whole idea of a personal savior uh brings with it all the decision theology, which is a bad deal, but generally that's true. I mean, by when we trust in the promise of Christ, he delivers to us his righteousness. He forgives our sins. He and this and by this imputed righteousness, the doors of heaven are flung open for us, and we can know without a doubt. Uh, that we will be there with him forever. Not because what we've done or decided, but because of his death on the cross for us. And that is the promise we have uh, from Holy Scripture,
1: objectively apart from what we do, including any decisions that we might make. Well, that's it for Table Talk Radio. Thank you all for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where the points
2: are like a youth speaker uh, trying to be intellectual. Ah, just doesn't work out so good
0: sometimes. <laughs> You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to question at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message 866 851 5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.